Let us now turn to our text for this week. We have been in the second half of Galatians chapter 1, reading that together. Now in this time for our worship, we're going to read aloud Galatians 1, 13 through 17. It's in your listening sheet. It looks like this. If you would take that and stand together, we'll read this aloud. This then is the text for today. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned once more to Damascus." May God bless the reading of his word. Christians love a sensational salvation story. Just a couple of weeks ago, I saw a sensational salvation story online. There was a viral video of this man from New York City. And the video starts with the man digging in the trash. This is his job in New York. He goes along with the trash and anything valuable he pulls out and they set those things aside. But as they're filming this man who is taking things out of the trash on the streets in New York, he's just glowing. And you can tell this this glow, this joy is not from picking up trash on the streets. But as the video goes along, he says this joy that he now knows was brought to him while he was in prison. There were three women who brought the gospel into his prison one day, and he was saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. He said he used to smuggle people in the Caribbean. He would take a boat into the Caribbean islands, they would load up, and then they would bring them back to the U.S., and eventually he got caught. And from his former life, he was saved while he was in prison. It it all seemed very sincere. You, You never know with online videos. But the content in this man seemed to have evidence of a content heart in the spirit. That video, when I saw it, had over three million views. And it's encouragement to all of us. It's an encouragement in that we see God working in these grand and holy ways. It's as if the glory of God shines brightly through those that used to know the bleakest darkness. You know, this is one of the reasons we love the Apostle Paul's story so much. And when you go back and look at Acts chapter 7, you go look at Acts chapter 8, Paul is clearly described as an antichrist, breathing threats against Christ's church. And those threats aren't empty. Paul has the force of the government, the political rulers with him and behind him. And he carried on 
in dramatically painful fashion. There's a couple other places that talk about this too. Um, Acts 22, we'll, we'll put on the screen here. I would read Acts 22, four and five as well. This is Paul, I persecuted this way, the way of Christ to death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons. As also the high priests and all the council of the elders can testify from them, I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. When you think about Paul in his previous life, before he knew Jesus, he was the most feared person in the world to the church. There was not a greater human threat to the church of Jesus Christ than Paul in those days. He was as bad as it gets. In fact, even after he came to Christianity, once he, he was saved, he started to go back into the churches and there were many churches who wouldn't have him. There were many followers of Jesus that didn't want anything to do with him because they thought it was all a ploy to infiltrate the church and punish them further still. But we Christians, we love salacious salvation stories. A guy in a speedboat off the coast of Bimini being chased by the FBI that's a bad one, right? But Paul, breathing murderous threats against the church, he, he's standing there holding the executioner's coats as they killed Stephen. That's a good one. You see, any time the previous life feels like it be the, could be the plot of a movie, it gives us this sense of grandeur of God's work in this person's life. That it doesn't matter how far down evil has dragged you into the mud of this earth, there is still hope in Jesus Christ. And every one of us know that to be true. You know, one of the things that we often think of when we hear these stories, we think of the worst people in our lives, or we think of the, the worst people in our country, and we hold out hope that God will do something extraordinary in their lives, and that is our prayer. And we know all that's true. And even as this is wonderful, there's something apart from this that we need to notice that our celebration of cinematic salvation has caused us to miss the miracle of common conversion. Now, we would never use that language. We would never say a common conversion, but we treat it as such. Those conversions that aren't theatrical are the common ones. We treat those salvation experiences as a sort of lesser class. We, we often think that my Christian origin story wasn't bad enough, or my Christian origin story wasn't grand enough, or, or my story, it would not fit into the most mundane cinematic universe because I'm too ordinary. Now, the problem with this, and the problem with this line of thinking, and the problem with us thinking of ourselves as a sort of common conversion story, is, is we have a problem with how we think of sin, and we aren't lining up with how our God sees sin. In your previous life, or life before Jesus, you are just as depraved as the human smuggler in a speedboat 
Before Jesus, your sin too is as hated by God. Sin itself is always hated by God and invites his fury into your, li- into your life. And I want us to think about this. I want us to think about these sins that we find in Scripture. There's all kinds of different places that we can search for sin in Scripture. So one of those are the vice lists of the New Testament. And I'm not gonna give you an exhaustive list, but I wanna run run through some of the things that are mentioned in those vice lists. And as the Scripture unfolds, it says these things are hated by God. These things bring the wrath of God into your life in an instant. So when you think about those things, it's things like this. Sexual immorality, slander, Jealousy, deceit, foolish talk, lying, adultery, greed, gossip, bitterness, theft, fits of rage. And and the list go, go on and on. These are the sorts of things that separate you from God. And when we know these things in our lives, we are as far away from God as the man in the speedboat. Or Paul standing next to the lifeless body of Stephen. All these things separate you from God and bring his fiery wrath. Just because your sins were not newsworthy or or just because your sins aren't in some theatrical release, that does not mean that you were in some way good. That does not mean that you were better than that guy in New York City. Or it doesn't mean you were in some way better than Paul. Before Christ, you and I were no better than them. Before Christ, we are no better than any of them. And your salvation experience is just as miraculous, happening through the power of the Spirit of God as only he can do. You see, the sinfulness that we all wrestle with, it's, it's a common theme in, even in the church. See, I remember having this conversation in college. Is in, in in fact, they would say in their previous life they were relatively good. In, in, in church, there are those who feel like they don't have much of a testimony because they weren't that bad before. If I was never a drug dealer, then my testimony isn't worth that much. It, and let me just remind you that this, this line of thinking, it, it minimizes the effect and the power of sin that has been in all of our lives. And when we say things like this, we are minimizing how sin has brought decay across this globe and into our lives and into our families. Sin has brought serious decay to each one of us. And so we're we're minimizing it when we think of it this way, but also on the other side of that same coin, we are overlooking the glorious grace of God that was undeserved and flows out of heaven into our lives so that we might know him and be saved. That grace of God that touched those lives has come to yours as well this day. See, that's one of the the places that we get confused. There's there's another time we get confused and it's, it's with the actual 
crazy conversion. So we, we love our salvation stories that, that begin with the worst of sins. So, so Paul has got that box checked. He killed Christians, worst of sins, right? The, and so he goes on though, but it ramps up and, and the conversion gets even crazier when there's this extreme conversion event. So Paul, when we get to Acts chapter nine, he's on his way to go and arrest Christians for being Christian to lock them up, and and as he's on his way, there's this heavenly flash that's shown around him, and in the midst of that flash, he hears the voice of Jesus giving him a new direction, and the whole thing leaves him blind for three days. Blind to the point, there's people with him too, that the people with him have to take him by the hand and walk him to Damascus. This is one of the cinematic events, and it's, it's one to be celebrated. God transformed this man's life in an instant. And see, this conversion experience was memorable for a no- number of reasons, but that doesn't make your or our conversion experience any less true or any less effectual. I want you to notice the real miracle that's happening here. The miracle of this moment is a transformed heart. And th- this is, this is the, the, the miracle of conversion itself where, where God takes our heart of stone, our, our heart of, of carelessness, and he, he begins to break away all of that that's encased it and he softens our heart so that it's moldable and, and he becomes as the potter reshaping our heart into something that's holy, that, that longs for him. That this is, is the miracle of, of conversion, of meeting Jesus. That when, when, when we meet Jesus and he becomes real to us, this is the, the thing that starts to happen for all the children of God. There, there comes this time where, where Jesus is real and, and your heart and your mind start to change. And, and the way you think about Jesus starts to change. The way you think about his call and, and, and what he desires starts to change. The way you think about the crucifixion and the resurrection, it starts to change and, and your life becomes more considerate of those things to, to the point of worship of the Christ. And, and as these things start to change, and sometimes it's slower than others, sometimes it happens in different ways and different people, but, but as this starts to happen, this is the spirit of God working on you. The softening of your heart towards the Christ is a miracle of God that we often overlook. We say it's common, it's mundane, but it is not. It is a miracle of God that we should be rejoicing in. You see, as you recognize that, that work of Jesus in your mind and your heart, it, it, it is this gift of heaven that, that leads us into repentance. And I want you to notice this. We're gonna go to another verse on the screen here. It's Luke 15, seven. Because sometimes, well, most of the time, we, we don't have the earthly pyrotechnics, a part of our conversion experience, like Paul does in his. But no matter what shines forth on this earth, for every one of us, 
burst forth in heaven. Look with me at Luke 15, 7. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. When we come near to Jesus and we are changed, heaven erupts in rejoicing. And so should the church with the angels. So the Apostle Paul has this splendid salvation story and it hits all the high points, right? Everything that we want in a splendid salvation story. Um, Not only was he as terrible as it gets before, not only does he have this grand moment of salvation, but afterwards he, he becomes the preeminent missionary of the church age. See, after the Apostle Paul meets with Jesus on the road to Damascus, there are a couple of things that happen in his life. And so let's start with forgiveness. He starts to experience this real forgiveness from heaven that when we meet with Jesus, our sins become illuminated. And and sometimes it's frightening for us, especially for for people that are only meeting Jesus or or new to Jesus. When, When our sins are illuminated, this is frightening to think that this is who we are, who we were. And in contrast to the holiness of Jesus, we look grotesque. Jesus confronts Paul's sins and and he he changes. His heart is completely changed and and this is the grace of God on display. Paul was forgiven for everything and his life is now free. There was not a single grain of sin left in his life. God's compassion overwhelmed the grip of sin that was on his life. And this this same miracle happens in every believer. Everybody who believes in Jesus Christ, Jesus comes down and he takes away the shackles of sin and and he takes away the, the brutal nature of temptation and he sets us free. We are no longer bound by that tyranny. See, for for Paul, out of this forgiveness, he he started to see more freely. And he he took it upon himself to pray and study for a few years. And in that time, he was able to discern God's purpose for him. So out of living in this forgiveness, God begins to define his purpose for the Apostle Paul. And for him, most everybody in, in the church at this time was Jewish And God opened Paul's eyes to say, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just for Jewish people, it is for everyone. Across the globe, my gospel will touch lives in every corner of this earth. And so Paul was one of those initial people to take the gospel out of Judaism and into the rest of us. See, he was going all over that region and sharing the name of Jesus with anybody that would listen, for people that needed a tent, Roman guards, King Agrippa, whoever would hear him, he began to share the gospel to them. See, in the same way, in your salvation story, Jesus is going to do these things too. See, it doesn't take a cinematic story Because everyone who knows Jesus Christ will know these things in their lives. We we will know and experience the forgiveness of God and the freedom that comes with it. And, And so many people around us in the church, outside of the church, are hurting deeply because they are buried in their own guilt 
and they find no purpose in this life. Jesus is the remedy for both of these things. You see, most of the grief that we experience on a day-to-day basis is directly related to our inability to recognize the guilt that we carry with us. We try to play it off, we try to ignore it, we try to say it isn't so. You see, it doesn't matter whether we admit it or not, unconfessed sin is the heaviest burden that we all bear. That is what weighs us down the most. It wreaks havoc on our lives. And this is the beautiful thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ is Jesus sets you free. Jesus heals us here. He takes those burdens of guilt off of our shoulders and he places them on the cross where they were taken care of so that we no longer buckle under the weight of our own sin. We are set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. See, this is the joy of knowing Jesus. You're free. The other joy of following Jesus is that he gives us purpose, true purpose that energizes us. He's not giving you a career. Jesus is not giving you a new series of New Year's resolutions. But but Jesus is giving you real guidance for a life well lived. You know, Paul spent a few years working through what that might be for him. Sometimes those specifics come sooner or later, whenever. But what we know is that in Christ, Jesus has a purpose, a path forward for each one of us that's more rewarding than anything we could come up with on our own. And though I don't know the specifics of that for you, I don't know exactly what that's gonna look like in your life, But I do know this, that it is completely wrapped up in the first and second greatest commandment, that when Jesus was showing his followers a way forward and they were asking Jesus about commandments and what we're to do and who we're supposed to be, Jesus always brought them back to these two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Your, your purpose will be unique ways of living those two commandments out. And it's gonna be different for all of us, but Jesus has specific ways and calls on our lives to, to live those out faithfully and we will be blessed. And one of the things that we're thanking God for this morning is that these benefits of salvation are not meted out based on how bad you were before. Right? You, you don't get more if you were worse before. Same way, you, you don't get more if your, um, your conversion experience was something emotionally greater than you've ever known before. But, but this is available for all of us in Christ. The forgiveness that you long for and the purpose that you need are with Jesus. They're here today in the body and blood of Jesus Christ.